Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the first YA of 2023. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You know, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was reading this text in the Bible, and it hit me, and I realized, man, this would be such a great scripture to preach on during New Year's. I preached on it before, I think, like two years ago or something, 2021. Um, And the reason I thought it'd be a good one to preach on is because New Year's comes with New Year's resolutions. I was reminded to that at the gym today, man. Anybody else go to the gym and there are way more people than normally there and you think, I'll give you till February. Anyway, that was annoying. I didn't even get to get my workout in because old people. Anywho, I'm sure you have some goals for you. Uh, Physically, maybe you want to lose weight, gain weight, spend money, stop spending so much money at Taco Bell. Or you have some resolutions spiritually, right? Hopefully, you know, this year you want to get closer to God than you've ever been. Or maybe you really want God to heal your heart of some sort of relationship. Or maybe you'd be like transparent enough to say, Pastor G, I'm really believing God for a big miracle in my life this year. Maybe you are, that's great. But what I've noticed doing the work that I do, talking to people, counseling people as a pastor, I think a lot of times we say that we want a miracle. But if you really get down to it, we really kind of want a magic trick. There's a difference. I'm going to tell you, and I'm not a magic hater, okay? I love magic. I've told you this. I'm not going to go into all my childhood stories, but I love magic. One of our first dates was to a magic show, wasn't it? Yeah, it was magical. (laughs) Um, It was fun. I used to buy the kits, and I had, like, the fake thumb, and you could hide stuff in it, a top hat that you could pull the rabbit out and stuff. I loved magic 100%. I still do. I always wanted to do one of those tricks where it's like, is this your card? And someone's like, no, that's not my. And they pull the card, and I'm like, queen of hearts, how did you know? Magic. Never, never got there. But I had big aspirations, man. I was going to be the first magician, comedian, preacher, NBA player in my family. And unfortunately, I'll probably only be the NBA player. So magic, uh, magic does stuff for you. It's like I didn't have this, and then boom, now I have it. You see me, boom, now you don't. I'm here, boom, now I'm there. And I think a lot of times, if we're honest, maybe our prayers are like this. Like, God, I don't have it, just boom, now I have it. God, I don't see a way through, boom, now I see it. God, I'm here at the bottom of the totem pole at Bed Bath & Beyond, but you know I should be running this joint, Lord, boom. Now I'm the assistant manager of Section C. I don't know if that's even a section. But maybe you're like, listen, Pastor G, what the heck is wrong with that? Like, what it, what's wrong with the magic trick? And, and what's the difference? Here's the difference. It's on the screen. And I'm going to spend my whole sermon really unpacking this. But a magic trick only does something for you. But a miracle requires something from you, changes something in you, then does something for you. Let's say it again just to chew on it a second. You got the underlying part. I forgot. I haven't preached in YA in like three weeks. A magic trick only does something for you. Sound good? A miracle requires something from you, changes something in you, then does something 
for you. Listen, God wants a miracle for your life. But what I've noticed reading scriptures is a lot of times in the miracles we ask God for, we often have a, a part to play in it. And so God does want a miracle from your, for your life, but you have a consistent yes to bring. And sometimes our own pride gets in the way of that. That's certainly true of the person we're going to look at today. The, the title of the sermon is The Power of Yes, The Danger of Pride. I've always believed preaching is not me talking to you, it's us talking together. So help me out, say, the power of yes, power of yes. The, danger of pride. the danger of pride. Through continually saying yes to God this year, I really believe he's going to work miracles in our lives. And that was the case of this guy named Naaman. Uh, Naaman really wanted God to do something for him. And God actually really wanted to do something for Naaman as well. But first, God needed to require something from Naaman. And he needed to change something in Naaman. Now, I like talking about Naaman because a lot of you might not know who that is. And that's okay. This is not one of those popular Bible stories. Sometimes it's fun to talk to people about not popular Bible stories because it's like I get to see people experience a piece of scripture for the first time. So who was Naaman? Naaman was a war general, and from what we know, he was really good. The Bible said that he won victory after victory for uh, Aram and the king of Aram, but he had two really big bad things going on in his life. First of all was leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. Leprosy, if you don't know, is a skin disease that would spread and it was contagious, so they'd normally kick you out, marginalize you to a leper community where you kind of live out the rest of your days there, unless by some miracle you were healed. So he had leprosy going on that he was hiding from people, but even worse, the Bible would say he had pride. Everybody say pride. Now, Naaman wanted God to do a magic trick and he wanted God to heal the leprosy. God wanted to do the miracle and heal the pride and the leprosy. God always wants more for you than you want for yourself. Just don't, doesn't always look the same. And it's not always how you'd expect. So let me show you two aspects of his pride that I think you and I struggle, for, struggle with, or at least are prone to struggle with, if we don't catch it. Start at 2 Kings 5, 1 through 2. You got the underlined part. It says this. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through Naaman, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So he had victories, 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 but he also struggled with leprosy. So you got to catch the picture here. Leprosy was slowly spreading on his skin, but people only ever really saw him in his armor. It's kind of easy to hide the leprosy when you're wearing that shining ar armor, and the first thing I want to tell you real quick about pride is pride always lets your strengths hide your needs. See, we always think like pride, there's so many angles of pride. Sorry, my throat hurts y'all from winter retreat. I'm still like trying to get it back. Pride always um, uses your strength to hide your needs. When you are a great warrior, it is so easy to hide leprosy under the armor. So People know how good you are with the sword in your hand, but they don't necessarily see the sickness that's hidden underneath. And we can display what we're good at to the point where we begin to hide the things we really need. I'm guilty, okay? See, when you're on stage preaching and teaching and all this stuff, people assume like, oh, he must have his life together. That's a bad assumption. I'm be honest with you. Okay, I don't. I mean, I try to live for God. I do the best I can. But at the end of the day, I need people in my life who see what's beneath my strength. 
But it's so much easier to just show people what you're good at and neglect the things under the armor that are easy to hide. But I promise you, you neglect them, they'll spread under the surface, and eventually it's the roots that end up killing the thing. Maybe God's dealing with you on this too. Maybe you need people. And not just people to see, you know, what you put on social media. You don't just need people to comment on your post. You need people to call you on your bluff. Do you have people like that? Maybe this is why humility is a virtue. Because when you're humble enough to be like, look, this is what I'm going through. Yeah, that takes a lot of humility and you got to swallow your pride. But if you're with the right people, you're met with grace and you're met with mercy. And people are like, okay, now we know what's actually under the surface. Let's get to work. I guess my word for the new year is this. Please don't hide behind what makes you impressive. Don't hide behind a paycheck. Don't hide behind a relationship. Don't hide behind good people skills. Don't hide behind any of it. Because the truth is we all have to introspectively ask ourselves, am I using my strengths to cover up my needs? I've been trying to think of how this could look in each and every individual life. And I just started thinking about different types of people. I got youth kids, right, that, I, I'm serious, I was thinking, because I, I think about people when I make these, why are you laughing at me, that's, a, that's a, I got youth kids that I preach to Wednesday night, and I got a lot of them that are like the cool athletic kid, right, they're so good at basketball or whatever, and that's all anybody ever sees, and the truth is, it's real easy to hide behind a scoreboard and a stat line, but when I talk to them, I know they got some deep stuff going on at their house, I know that a lot of them don't even have dads in their house or a lot of them don't even have parents that show up to their games or care about them. But all they really want people to see is, oh, look how good I am at this sport. What's happening is pride. It's using strength to cover up your needs. And the Bible addresses it ever since the day of Naaman, but we got to address it in our own life. At some point, like, take your gifts now. I don't know. You can go through young adulthood. Being the, the person that makes somebody laugh, that shows up to the room and just brings so much joy to the room. And that's awesome. That's a great strength. But do you ever have anybody that you can let your hair down around? Or are you so scared to save face that you want to be the person that makes people have so much joy even if you don't have much yourself? Because at some point, God's saying, hey, we can't hide our needs behind our strengths and ask things and, and, and expect things to keep getting better. Pride is always focused on being impressive, but humility is focused on being transparent. So here's just a good question. Have you been more preoccupied lately with appearing impressive or have you been more preoccupied with appearing transparent? And not, not around everybody. All right, please don't be one of those people that be like, I know we just met, but can I tell you the top five worst things I've ever done? <laughs> Don't be, I'm not saying that, man, that's weird. Um, and God would want you to know that's weird with a loving heart, okay? But here's what I do pray. I pray that you have a safe space to be transparent. I pray that you have people in your life that will lend a hand and not just point a finger. Because this is what the church has to be for each other, y'all. This is what God did for us, was it not? When God saw us in need, he could have pointed a finger, he could have sat there and said damnation, hell, judgment, but that's not the picture we get of God. The picture we get of God isn't pointing fingers. He's lending hands and saying, let me pick you up out of that. I got your back. When you say I'm in need, that's when I start to say thank you. Your humility makes way for my grace. And we got to do that with each other. We got to say, all right, your humility makes way for grace. But we can't use our strengths to hide our needs.
And the more you read about Naaman, the more you can see his pride. I want to show you. See, Naaman finally tells the king, the king of Aram, like, hey, man, I got poison ivy this way. Hey, man, I got leprosy. And you got to understand, like, the king of Aram, this is his star player, you know? Like, I don't know how else to say it, but it's like his war general. So he's going to do anything and everything in his power to make sure that he gets the help he needs. Like, if LeBron went to his coach and was like, hey, my knee's busted. The coach would be like, all right, well, let's hook you up with the best doctor. I don't care what the bill is, right? And this is exactly what's going on with Naaman. The king of Aram loads him with gifts and money. And he says, okay, well, I heard about a king in Israel, and I heard about a prophet in Israel, so maybe you can go see them. So Naaman's on his way, but here's where it gets funny to me. God knows that leprosy is not the biggest deal, but pride's the biggest deal. So he deals with Naaman's pride before he deals with Naaman's leprosy. What do I mean? Naaman goes to the king of Israel, being who he is, right? Oh, baller, Leonidas. And he's like, I need help. The king doesn't even go out to see him. Like, just straight up like, mm, sorry, busy. And Naaman's like, do you know who I am? Like, it's a shot at his pride. Strike one. But the king won't see him. So then Naaman goes, and he gets to the prophet. And the prophet doesn't go to see him either. The prophet sends a messenger, which is better but it's still kind of jacked up. Like if LeBron went to the doctor and he's like, you can see my assistant. LeBron's like, excuse me? You know what I mean? And so he's there, strike two, but here's the strike three. What made Naaman the maddest is what the prophet's assistant actually told him he needed to do to get rid of the leprosy. It's in 2 Kings 5.10. It says this, but Elisha sent a messenger. Elisha's the, the prophet. Elisha sent a messenger out to Naaman with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Now, when we read that, it's like, what's the big deal? If I had leprosy, you're like, go dip in the water seven times. I'm like, yay. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal. But he gets so salty. He gets so angry. Why? Because the Jordan River was disgusting. The Jordan River was not for men of Naaman's status. It was a very humbling thing for him to have to go bathe in the Jordan. It was disgusting. And so in verse 11, it says, but Naaman became angry and he stalked away. And he said this, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God, and heal me. What is going on? God wanted Naaman to be healed. And he wanted Naaman to get his miracle. But God asks him to do something that Naaman does not expect. And Naaman starts to walk away, almost missing what God was going to do in his life because God doesn't act as he expects. And the same is true with us. If God is only allowed to act in the ways that we would expect him to, we will not see what he's going to do in our life. God wants a miracle for you. But what if God asks you to do something different than you expect? Are you going to listen? Or are you going to let your expectation of God be the very thing that puts a limitation on God? That's the second thing pride does. Pride lets my expectation of God become my limitation of God. I think we all have expectations from God, if we're just being honest, right? And I was trying to think of examples and how could this look and, you know, praying for y'all, thinking about you guys. And I started thinking as I pastor more and more, I see so many people that just have so many um, hurts from 
families. We got a lot of broken families in America. It's just what it is. It's where we start. And I believe God can heal that, but it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of people confronting the fact that their parents hurt him. So maybe you got a lot of hurt from your parents and you're praying like, God, heal me. But you expect God to some extent to punish your parents for what they did. And maybe you even pray prayers like, God, you're a God of justice, so Lord, show them that what they did wasn't right. But what happens if God's like, hey, hey, I know you expected me to bring punishment on them, but really the road to your healing is forgiveness from you. And so you get frustrated like, God, that's not what I expected. You walk away mad. What happened? Your expectation becomes your limitation. God wanted more for Naaman than Naaman even knew what to ask for. And I promise you, God wants more for you than you even know what to ask for. He's such a better father and such a better God than you and I could ever be. I wasn't even going to say this, but I was watching Bruce Almighty in my sermon prep. Okay, that part wasn't true. But I was watching Bruce Almighty, and I think Bruce Almighty is a very good theological movie. And Bruce Almighty just answers yes to everybody's prayers, and uh, everything just goes to hell. It's horrible. And everybody's like, wah, everybody wins the lottery, and they get like two bucks or something like that. And God... Morgan Freeman, who I think actually is God, is talking to Jim Carrey, and he's like, he's, Bruce Almighty's like, I just gave everybody everything they wanted, and God looks at him, and he says, since, you, since when do humans have a clue about what they want? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Bruce. But it's true. God wants so much better for us than we even want for ourselves, and he knows so much more. So if he acts in a way that you're not expecting, just trust that he's doing it for a reason. If you're going through a season right now where you're confused because God's not acting in a way. Now, now I'm not saying like you made some terrible decisions and you got yourself in a rut. I'm not saying that. At some point, that's why we have the Bible. That's why we walk in obedience. But if like you're really trying your best and God's acting in some ways that you didn't expect, there comes a point where you can get frustrated because he's not meeting your expectations. But I promise you this, the Bible does say that we can expect to go through dark valleys. And guess what? When you're a sheep being led in a dark valley, you can't see what the shepherd's doing. You don't know. Why would the shepherd ever lead a sheep through a dark valley only to get him to a better green pasture? So please know if God's acting in a way that you don't expect, he might be bringing you through it to change something in you so you can learn a lesson in that valley. Let me show you. God's about to teach Naaman the difference between a magic trick and a miracle. I love it, I love it, I love it. Naaman's about to walk away, but this little... I remember the story, right? You can fact check me. If not, tell me I'm wrong. But this little servant girl, I think, is like, Naaman, if he would have asked you to do something way harder than dunk in a dirty river seven times, you would have done it. So just go do it. And so Naaman comes to his senses, and he dunks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And he comes up clean. And I'm sitting there studying this, wondering, why did he have to do it seven times? Like, why dunk seven times? And it hit me. Naaman was so much like us. He wanted God to do a magic trick. He didn't want a miracle. Look, 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 look. Put verse up, uh, 11 up again, please. It says, as Naaman saying, I expected him to wave his hand. That's so magic-y. These are not the droids you were looking for. I was... I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God, and heal me. Naaman wanted a quick fix. 
just a magic trick. Just wave your hand over it. Make the leprosy disappear. And God said, no, 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 dunk seven times. Why? Seven is the number of completion. And it hit me that where we want a quick fix, God wants complete obedience. Have you been asking God for a quick fix and he's asking you for complete obedience? Maybe this new year, that's your word. Don't just go to sleep and be like, all right, when I wake up, I'm going to be a, a new Christian. And then you don't embrace the complete obedience God is asking of you. Because a lot of times the miracle isn't going to be done by waving a hand and requiring nothing of you. The miracle is going to require something of you, change something in you. Then he'll do something for you, but it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to be complete obedience. The Christian faith has always been a road of complete obedience. And so I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're going through something and, and you're, you know, maybe even addicted to something. I don't know. And so you're praying and you're sitting there like, God, just break this addiction off my heart. And that's a perfectly fine prayer. I want you to hear me. That's not a bad prayer. But most of the time, the addiction probably isn't going to just be a quick fix break. I mean, I've seen him do it. I'm not saying he can't do it. But he might ask not for a quick fix, but complete obedience. You might have to dunk in the river of vulnerability. You might have to dunk in the river of humility and say, hey, man. Get some friends around. This is what I'm going through. Confess your sins to one another and he will heal you. You might have to say, hey, can you check on me? Hey, can you make sure that I'm not falling in this area? Hey, I'm trying to, to hide the word of God in my heart. What's going on? God's going to require something of you, change something in you, then do something for you. That's the miracle. So, to end, a magic trick only does something for you. But a miracle requires something from you, does something in you, then it does something for you. So just think about Naaman. And this new year, the reason I say it's a good New Year's message is because I don't want your goals to be set on a God you just think is going to do like a magic trick. God wants you to participate in this thing. God wants you to have your hand in it. As you do what you can, he will do what you can't. But we can't have this Christianity where we depend on God for all the things we can do. You know, you, you can read your Bible. You could pray. You could come to church. You could forgive the people around you. You could walk in pure. There's a ton of stuff that you can do. But when we sit there saying, God, do what I can and do what I can't, he's saying, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not here like a genie in a bottle. I'm here for a relationship. No, I'm here to do miracles, not magic tricks. So I hope this new year that you understand the danger of pride and the power of yes. Because through your consistent yes, God will do miracles in your life. They cause you to see victory, cause you to walk in new seasons so that you're so much stronger, so much more wise, and so much more able to walk in everything that God has prepared for you. And I promise you this, no matter where you're from, no matter your background, no matter what you've done, God has a lot prepared for you. He wants a lot to happen in your life. He wants you to experience so much love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of meat and drink, the apostle Paul says, but it's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't know who you are, but I can guarantee you what God wants for your life. He wants righteousness, he wants peace, and he wants joy. Those are things everybody in the world craves and only God could truly give. Let's pray. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.